So open your Bibles, please, to the book of Hosea, chapter 2. And uh, it's always good to bring your Bible and look at it for yourself. I'm going to read uh, several different verses in this chapter of the Bible. I wanted to mention as well, I don't know if you realize this may, but it is, whether you realize it or not. And Vacation Bible School is just a few weeks away. And if you're interested in help, I love Bible school. I love the opportunities that come with Bible school. And if you're interested in volunteering, we need an army of volunteers, uh, 400 volunteers, something like that. And so if you're interested in volunteering, finding out more about that, right after the service, go out into the atrium. And there's a kind of a table that says Vacation Bible School. You'll see people dressed up in uh, the Bible school t-shirts. And we'd love for you to help with Bible school. I'm praying God will use that to Help many little boys and girls hear the message of the gospel and through that often to reach families. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Well, let's open our Bibles to Hosea chapter 2. And I want to talk this morning on the subject, Come Home. Thomas Wolfe famously wrote, You can't go home again. And there's some truth to it because you can't go back to your past in a, in a sense. You can't, even if you go back to the place where you were, things have changed and you've changed and circumstances have changed and you can't, um, whatever may happen now, you can't change the past. You can't go back in time. You can't make things, um, di- you can't make things like they used to be. But Dorothy had it right as well in The Wizard of Oz when she said, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And God is saying to us through the book of Hosea, I want you to know you can come home. I, w- I, just, I want you to know. That you can come home. You can't change the circumstances of your past. You can't correct mistakes you've made in the past. But man, I, you can come home. And you can find forgiveness and you can find hope. And so let's open our Bibles to Hosea chapter 2. And I, I, let me kind of remind you what happened in Hosea chapter 1. It's an un, unbelievable chapter. In Hosea chapter 1, God tells this prophet named Hosea. He said, I want you to marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity. Exciting, exciting days for young Hosea. And so Hosea did that. And he married a woman named Gomer, of course, named Gomer. And Gomer was a promiscuous wife, and she had children of promiscuity. And God is saying through this, Hosea, what I want you to do is to give a physical example of what's happening in the spiritual realm too. Because just as you, are, you took this woman as your wife to be faithful to you, and she's been promiscuous. That's Israel. That's what they've been. And that's Judah. That's what they've been. I took them to be my own, and they have been unfaithful to me. And God is using that. But can I just remind you, it's not just for Hosea and Gomer, and it's not just for Israel and Judah, but it's for us, O'Fallon, and you. It's for us today. God wants us to see that he made us for a purpose. But we have this tendency like Israel and the tendency like Judah to go our own way and chase after the world and to become prodigals. And can, Do you know the story in the Bible of the, prodigals, of the prodigal son? It's really the, prodigal, it's really the prodigal sons because there was a son who ran off into the world and he lived a prodigal life and finally came home. But there was a prodigal son in the house who was really, his spirit wasn't right, his heart wasn't right, and so maybe you've been a prodigal, maybe you're a prodigal in the world, you've chased the things of the world, and thought that was so much better than what God had to offer, and so you went chasing after the world, or maybe you're a prodigal right in the house, I mean, you're right in church, and, but your spirit, your heart was far from God, and far from what God wanted, and so I want you to see this 
this lesson that you can always come home. God calls us to come home. Let's read beginning in verse 19, and I'm going to read there just through the end of the chapter, but hold your Bible open because I'm going to refer back to several verses, all right? So let's read Hosea chapter 2, beginning uh, with verse 19. The Bible says, I will take you to be my wife forever, and I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. On that day I will respond. This is the Lord's declaration. I will respond to the sky and it will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil. And they will also respond to Jezreel. I will sow her in the land for myself and I will have compassion on Lo-Ruhamah. And I will say to Lo-Ami, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. Let's talk about this principle of God inviting us to come home. And I want you to note three ways God calls us to come home. Are you ready? Number one, God calls us to come home by his discipline. One of the ways God calls us to come back to him, to come back home, is by his discipline. Now I'm going to talk, can I just be kind of unpopular for a minute? Because there are things in the Bible that are just so popular. I mean, we love it when the Bible talks about blessings and how God blesses us. And it is true, God blesses. And we love it when we talk about God's love. And of course, God does love. But God, the Bible tells us God disciplines those he loves. And that's not so popular. So note what the Bible says here. Uh, Go with me back to verse 2. In verse 2, the Bible says, Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove remove the promiscuous look from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. So rebuke, I mean, let's just start right there. But the Bible talks to us often about rebuke. It's not exactly exciting. I mean, I know you're not saying, oh my goodness, I hope the sermon today is about rebuke. Wouldn't it be great if he's going to talk about rebuke today? But God rebukes us from his word to our benefit. To our benefit. And so Hosea is rebuking his wife. God is rebuking Israel and Judah. God rebukes us when we do wrong. He does it out of his love but he certainly rebukes. That is, God in heaven will say, you're doing the wrong thing. You're going the wrong way. You're making the wrong choices. Your heart is in the wrong place. Your spirit is not thinking as you ought to think. And God rebukes us when we do wrong to our benefit. And then skip down to verse uh, 6. The Bible says, therefore, this is what I will do. I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with a wall so that she cannot find her paths. So, Hosea is saying about Gomer, man, I'm going to keep her from going after these uh, other men. I'm going to block her way. I'm going to block the path. I'm going to keep her from them. Uh, By the way, God sometimes closes doors. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says no. Why? Because that's not very popular either. We don't like it when God says no. And we don't like it when God closes doors. But do you know why God does that? Because he has better doors. He has better doors for us to go through. Verse 7 says, right after verse 6, notice how that works out conveniently. Verse 6 says, I'm going to block her way. Verse 7, she will pursue her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will think, I'll go back to my former husband, for then it was better for me than now. God's saying, man, look, I'm going to block this way because I have a better way. I'm going to close this door because I have a better door. I'm going to block this path because there's a better path for you to follow. Now, it's not popular for someone to say no. When God says no, we want God to say yes. I mean, you didn't come here thinking, boy, I hope he preaches a sermon on how God says no and blocks a path and doesn't. But we need it. 
And it's in our best interest for God to say to us, I don't want you to go down this path or for God to rebuke us or for God to close a door because he has a better door for us. And then skip down while I'm just, man, while I'm just on a roll of uh, unpopular things, let's go to verse 13. And I will punish her. Boy, you were super excited about a sermon about punishment. I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She put on her rings and her jewelry and followed her lovers, but she forgot me. That's what Hosea said. Man, she forgot me. God said to Israel and Judah, you forgot me. And so God punishes, God brings discipline. Man, this could not be a more unpopular start to a message. I'm, I'm just telling you. It's God, but God tells us these things to our benefit. God punishes sin. God disciplines us when we do wrong. God rebukes us. God says no to us. God brings uh, punishment to us when we go the wrong direction. He does this because God disciplines those he loves. And it's in our best interest even though it's painful, and even though you didn't come to this place saying, man, I would love to hear a sermon on the discipline of God, except we need it. It's to our benefit, and God does that because he cares about us. My parents were just so old school. Old school, they used to, you know, discipline was big in the old days. And I mean by that, sometimes it involved things like whoopings, you know? <laughs> whoopings. It just sounds so funny to this younger generation, I know, but whoopings, can you say that in America? Yeah, my parents, I mean, let's pass the statute of limitations, is over. My parents used to give me whoopings. I mean, they haven't done it in the last, like, seven years or anything like that. I'm not saying that, it's been way back. Well, so my parents would sometimes rebuke me, and sometimes they would say no to me, and sometimes they would, uh, you know, get after me. I'd get punishment, I'd get disciplined. I didn't like any of it. I didn't like any of it. I, I didn't mind it. Like, I didn't mind my brothers getting those things on them, but I, I didn't want it for myself. And I had some friends, especially in my teenage years, I had some friends. I mean, the parents let them do anything. The parents let them, like, their parents uh, never got after them. They never said no. I mean, whatever you want to do, kid, just, you know, go. They never, like, they never got punished. They never got disciplined. And it finally dawned on me, this weird, I mean, shocking, surprising thing. That my, many of my friends, who they would never have said this out loud, but they wished their parents were more like mine. And that, that's, I mean, it's just like a revelation because they knew instinctively listen, if my parents, like, they loved me, they'd say no sometimes. If they cared about me, I mean, they, they'd get after me when I did wrong. And if they really wanted my best, best interest, they would discipline me. And they knew that instinctively. Parents, if you love your child, it's un, I, get, I get it's unpopular. God, sometimes you've got to say no. If you love your child, sometimes you have to rebuke them. If you love them, sometimes you have to discipline them. They may not like it. It may be unpopular. But you do it if you do it out of love because you care about them, you are following the example of the Lord himself who disciplines those he loves. And if you are running from God, you're a prodigal chasing the world or a prodigal in the house, God uses his discipline to call you back to him. 
And maybe you're facing some of the discipline of God right now in your life. You're facing it right now, and you don't much like it, and it's not very popular, but God will use this in your life to call you back into right relationship with him because God calls us to come home by his discipline. Number two, God calls us to come home by his provision, by his provision. So God often uses the provision he makes, the blessings he gives to us as a reminder that we can come home. The the provision, the prodigal son who was chasing the things of the world was so hungry in a pig pen, wanting to eat what the pigs were eating. And then he remembered the provision of his father, who there was always food. Well, the Bible tells us first that God provides blessings that we often miss. Let's go to verse 8. The Bible says, she does not recognize that it is I, this is the, fa- the husband speaking about the wife, or the Lord speaking about Israel, or the Lord, for that matter, speaking about us. She does not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil. She doesn't realize that's for me. I lavished silver and gold on her, which they used for Baal. I mean, they used it to worship idols. And God is saying, I have given to you so many blessings. Sometimes you just use those things to worship the idols of this age. But God has provided blessings we often miss. And God has provided for you so many blessings. The tendency is for us to miss those blessings. This, this week I um, was in Texas for several days. My wife and I went there to help our, our daughter and son-in-law uh, move from one house to another. They moved about an hour and a half away. But, um, I mean, really, moving an hour and a half away, it doesn't matter if you move an hour and a half away or if you're moving to Tibet. I mean, it's kind of the same general, you know, it's just going to be hard. And they have six daughters, six daughters, and just, they have not thrown away, I don't know watching this online today, but they have not thrown anything away for the last few years. I'll just tell you that, there's everything they've ever had. I've never seen so many of those little girl uh, ponytail things, skunk, what do they call those, scrunchies or something, whatever, they, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever you're saying there, that's what it is. All over the place, and they love books, and they have books, and books, and books, and books, and books are can I assure you, very heavy. For three days, I from morning till sometimes you know late at night, work just about as hard as I could, about as hard as I've worked in forever, just for three days. And and then I had to drive all the way back on Friday, and then uh, he, my son-in-law, was still working to finish it. Uh, then, man, just a massive amount of things. The heaviest couch in the history of couches. I don't know how heavy your couches are, but I'm just telling you, this was number. This is number one. And why do I do that? Well, that's what fathers do. You love your kids. But I'll just tell you, it sure is nice that they said thank you. You know what? I mean, I'm, I, I, I wanted to bless them. I wanted to provide for them. I wanted to help them. I wanted to be there for them. I don't want to ever do it again, but I wanted that one time, you know, to kind of help. But man, do I, I'm so thankful they appreciated it. And I thought, how many times has God done whatever it is for us? And we've hardly noticed. And God is giving these provisions in your life to remind you of his love for you. One night, it was like 11 o'clock, at, 11 something at night. So late, wait, I mean, just way past when you're, we're unloading the U-Haul, just unloading it. Late, tired, exhausted, and I stopped for a minute. Really, it's the only reason I'm still alive is because I stopped. Every once in a while, I just stopped for a minute. And I said, I can't, 
if I die, I won't be able to preach the sermon on Sunday. That's really my thought process. And so I just stopped for a moment and I looked into the heavens and I just saw, they're out in the country now. And it just, I mean, stars everywhere. Beautiful, clear night, stars everywhere. And God made all of that just for me. And I hardly notice it. And every once in a while, but every once in a while, just I will stop and I'll see those stars or I'll see that sunset or I'll see that smile on a face. And I'll remember that God in heaven has provided for me. And it is a call from God to come back to him. Do, do you not realize what God has done for you? Hosea is saying, Gomer, look what I've done for you. God's saying to Israel, look what I've done for you. God's saying to us, look what I've done for you. And not only does God provide blessings we often miss, but God provides blessings we don't deserve. In verse 14, he says, Therefore I'm going to persuade her, lead her to the wilderness, speak tenderly to her. I'll give her vineyards back to her and make the valley of Achor. Achor means trouble. I'm going to make the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. And then she will respond as she did in the days of her youth and as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. I'm, I'm going to use these blessings to call her back to me. By the way, did... Let me ask you a question. I'm going to test your biblical knowledge here. Did Gomer deserve these blessings? This woman who has been unfaithful, who has been a wife of infidelity and who has had children of promiscuity, does she deserve these blessings? Well, no, right? She didn't deserve them. Can I ask you another question? Do you deserve God's blessings? Boy, I hate it when I get personal. <laughs> Do you deserve God's blessings? Well, no. But God has just given to, he knows about your unfaithfulness. He knows that you've chased the world and everything in the world except the Lord himself. But he blesses and his provision, that sunset is a reminder of God's love. That stars are a reminder of God's love. The, the smile on that face is a reminder of God's provision for you. So I want to ask you to acknowledge the blessings God has provided. Acknowledge that God has blessed you. And by this provision, he calls you home. He calls you to, re to remember that the pig pen is no place for you, but he has food for you in his home, and he calls you back by his provision. There's a third principle I want you to note. God calls us to come home by his compassion. And I don't want you to miss this. By his compassion. So let's note two things about God's compassion. First, would you note God still loves you and wants you to come home? He still loves you and wants you to come home. Just... Verse 19 talks about Gomer and Hosea calling her back and God and Israel. Here's what it says in verse 19. And for that matter, God and us. I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. God is saying, man, I, I know about all the, un I know all about the unfaithfulness. You're, Hosea is saying, you've been a wife of unfaithfulness. You've had children of promiscuity. I don't even know if they're mine. And yet, I still love you and I want you back. God says, I know about your unfaithfulness. You have been promiscuous with the world. You've chased after the world and the things of this world as though those things would satisfy. And I still love you and want you back. That's what the Lord says to us. I still love you and I want you to come home. Do you, do you see how deeply God cares about you? He still loves you. He knows, he knows it all. It's not a surprise to God. Our wondering, our sins, our mistakes, our failures, our broken promises. It's not a surprise to God. And he still loves us and wants us to come home. So let's note three children that are mentioned here. If you were here last week, we saw 
there are three children of promiscuity, uh, two sons and a daughter. And they teach us some lessons still in this chapter. The first is a, is a boy named Jezreel. And Jezreel means God sows. You may remember we talked about how it's both a city and a plain and it's a lot of harvest there. It reminds us that God can provide, that God gives us consequences. Everything we, we reap is what we've already sown. There's a harvest that follows. What we do leads somewhere. Every path we're on leads somewhere. There are consequences. Well, here's what the Bible is saying in verse 21. The Bible says, on that day, I will respond. This is the Lord's declaration. I will respond to the sky, and it will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil, and they will respond to Jezreel, and I will sow her in the land for myself. Here's what he's saying. Man, I'm going to provide new consequences. There is hope. There's hope. You don't feel like there's hope. And you've gone down... You've had so many consequences to the choices you made. Man, if you've lived a little while in this world, you've begun to see the truth of that teaching from God's word that you reap what you sow. And so you've, made, you've sowed some things that you didn't much like the harvest. But I want you to know God can provide new consequences. And there is hope. I read recently a story of a guy in, in prison. And he was in a life, um, a life of imprisonment. And he said, um, he said, I killed two men, he said. He said, the first man I killed for $17 and half a bottle of whiskey. And then he said, and the second person I killed was me when I hung him on the cross of the Lord Jesus. And found new life in Christ in that prison. And found a God who would save and forgive and set free right in the middle of a prison. And that guy say, was saying, right in the middle of a prison, he was saying, there is hope. God can provide new consequences. Jezreel says, God sows. And there's a new harvest that God has for me. And there's a new season. The old season, I didn't like much. Man, I sowed some things that led to a terrible harvest. There were some terrible consequences in my life. But there was a new season, and God provided new blessings. And I am thankful there's hope. They have a, often nicknames, I think, in prison, and his nickname became Bishop because he was always preaching. And he would preach to the other prisoners about the Lord Jesus who would set you free and make you a new person in Christ. And whatever consequences you're facing, some of you have chased the world far enough to know. You said, I wonder if God could ever, man, I, I mean, I'm so far gone. Can I just tell you, God, listen, God can handle this. God can provide. God can forgive sins. He's really good at that. He is able to set prisoners free. And there is hope. There is hope. Whatever's in your past, you can't go back and change one bit of that. You've had some consequences in your life that just are painful and hard, but there is a new season God is offering for you in life, and there is hope. There is hope. There's a second uh, child, and this was a girl. Her name was Lo Ruhama. Beautiful Lo Ruhama. That flows, flows off the tongue, and the name means no compassion. So when she went to school, they said, there's a little no compassion. There she is, no compassion. Verse 23 says, 
I will sow her in the land for myself, and I will have compassion on Lo Ruhamah, which means no compassion. God's saying, I'm going to change your name. In effect, I'm going to have compassion. This girl, we've said it's no compassion. Well, I'm going to have compassion. And here's what I want you to note. God loves you. God loves you. God is saying to us, I have compassion for you. I love you. You matter to me. And the cross is God's demonstration of his love for you. Sometimes we think of the cross almost too generally. We think what, Jesus died for the world. And yes, Jesus died for sins. Yes, but personalize it. Jesus died for you. If you were the only person who had ever sinned, and you're not, but were you the only person who had ever sinned? I can assure you, you're not. This whole room is filled with people who have sinned. Every person you're going to meet has sinned. But if you were the only person, Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for you, for your sins, in your place. That's how much he loves you. It's not just a general love, you know, kind of love the world. He loves you. And he has compassion on you. And listen, he already knows all the junk. It's not like he's surprised by that. He knows all the unfaithfulness, the promiscuity, and yet he loves you. And then notice the third name of a child. A child named a a boy, Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Maybe this was the boy who was of most most doubtful heritage. I mean, maybe Hosea didn't know if that was even his child or not. And God had him name name him uh, not my people, not my people. And notice what the Bible says in verse 23, at the end of verse 23. I will say to Lo-Ami, not my people, I will say to Lo-Ami, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. You are my people and you are my God. Man, God can restore the connection. So I've said under Jezreel there's hope and under Lo-Ami, God loves you. But I want you to note this, God makes you family. He makes you family. And he's saying to Lo-Ami, not my people, say, man, I, come on. I'm going to adopt you into the family. You're mine. When you trust Christ as Savior, God makes you family. I, I read in the same um, article about prison. A, a, a guy who was in a prison ministry said something along these lines. He said he was shocked to find out how many of the prisoners, he was with all the guy, all male prisoners, he said he was shocked at how many of them did not have a father in their life. Now, there were some who had a good father, and they went wrong, of course. But many of the men who were incarcerated did not have a father in their life. Either they didn't know their father, or he was not actively involved in their life. And it's just, it's, it was so common that he couldn't help notice this theme. And he said what apparently happened for many of the young men, they so longed, they so longed for family. They so longed for a father. They would find some substitute. And sometimes a gang for them would become a substitute. And they would be involved in crime, not so much because they enjoyed enjoyed the crime, but because they wanted the family. And God in heaven is saying, when you trust me as Savior, you're not just like a person out there. You're not just a, I'm not just a teacher to you who sees you for a few hours each day. I'm not just an example for you. I I take you and I adopt you into my family and you become mine and I become yours. When you trust Christ as Savior, 
God becomes your father. Some of you have never really known what that's like in your life. God, he becomes your father in a way that no earthly father, no matter how good they are, could ever fully understand or match. God loves you that much. And he's saying, you become my people. You're mine. You take my name and you become my child for my purposes and my plans. And together we become a family and we make a difference in this lifetime God gives us. God made us for connection. There's a power to it. I want you to know that God still loves you and wants you to come home. No matter how much junk is there, no matter how much of the consequences you've already faced, no, how, no matter how little compassion you felt in life, no matter how disconnected you are from others, God loves you. He still loves you. He knows everything, and he still loves you, and he wants you to come home. And there's a second thing I want you to note about this. When you've been unfaithful to him, get this, when you've been unfaithful to him, remember, God has stayed faithful to you. He has stayed faithful to you. Always. You've forgotten about God. But he never forgot about you. You ran from God. But God never ran from you. You ignored God. But he never ignored you. You've chased after the world and been unfaithful and gone your own way. But God has always, always been faithful to you. And he's been waiting for you to come home. And if you know Christ as Savior, and some of you are here who have trusted Christ as Savior. You've taken on the name of the Lord Jesus. At some point in your life, you gave your life to Christ. But somewhere down the line, you've grown unfaithful. Outside chasing the world or right in the house still just as religious as ever, but cold and, and far from the Lord in your heart and spirit. God this day is calling you home. He's been waiting. He still loves you, and he still wants you to come home. No matter how unfaithful, no matter where you've run, he's always been faithful to you. He's always been faithful to you. You can come home again. You can't change the consequences of your past. You can't change the things that you've done, but you can find a God who is ready to take you back home. And there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And God welcomes you back for all that he has in store for you and all that he has planned for you and all that he wants for you. Why don't you come back? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we pray, as we bow, I want to, some of you are here who, have, many of you have trusted Christ as Savior. But if you are honest with God today, you would say, man, I am, I have been unfaithful to God. I've chased the world. I've my heart has grown cold. But God, God's calling me home. He's used his discipline as much as I didn't like it. He's reminded me of his provision, the blessings that he's provided, whether I've paid attention or not. And he's loved me. He's shown his compassion. And he wants me to come home. Christian, today, once you say yes to God, God, I want to come home. I want to follow you. I'm in a close, dynamic relationship with you again. I want to know that close compassion from my heart to your heart. 
I want to experience the harvest that you have for me. There is hope. And you still love me. And you make me family. And so I want to come back today to you. There are some of you here who have never trusted Christ as Savior. But there is no better day than today to give your life to Christ. You will never find a better time than right now to trust Christ as Savior. Would you be willing to repent of your sin today? To place your faith in Christ who lived for you, who who died on the cross for you, who rose from the dead for you. Would you receive him as your Savior? Would you place your faith in him, your trust in him, give your life to him? Die to yourself and live to Christ and you'll find the life you've been looking for. Father, I want to thank you for the power of this story, for the reminder of the truth of a story like Hosea and Gomer. And we find ourselves far too much like that unfaithful wife. We find ourselves far too prone to wonder, to go our own way, to forget. But you have never been unfaithful to us. And you have never stopped calling us to come home. And so this day, Lord, I'm praying for believers, people who name your name, to come back home to you. And I'm praying for people today who have never realized that you have, have a, there's a better way, a better plan, and a better purpose to come to know you as Savior today. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.